G'day and welcome to episode 117 of the Stag Raw. This episode I'm joined by Trevor Bowen from Man Uncivilized. Hell of a book, hell of a movement. Make sure you follow him if you've been following me on Instagram at the Stag Raw. You will have seen I've been doing 34 burpees in the morning. It comes from Trevor. Uh, I'd encourage you to join in. Tag me if you're doing it. Tag Trevor, that'd be awesome. Anyway, enjoy this conversation. There is a little bit of a sort of a disparity towards around about 50 minutes. I think we were talking about the Matrix a little bit too much and uh, we found a glitch. Uh, so for some reason my internet just dropped out on me. Ironically, Trevor was in Costa Rica and his internet was fine. Me here in New Zealand with their ultra-fast fibre yeah, I don't know what happened, but um, we got it sorted, got it done, and I hope you enjoy this. Make sure you uh, reach out to myself and Trevor if you've enjoyed this, found anything of value or not. Um, and yeah, if you can, leave us a rating on iTunes, that'd be super helpful. Enjoy. Kia ora everybody. I'm very lucky to speak to the man uncivilized, which uh, he greatly accepts as... The person that he is, Trevor Baum. Mate, um, I start off with what did you do last weekend? So tell us all what you did last weekend. <laughs> uh, I surfed my brains out last weekend. Uh, I was in a spot called Nosara, Costa Rica, which is maybe two hours south of me. And this beautiful swell rolled in. So essentially, I just geared my life around writing I uh, shot a little bit of video, but mostly it was just prep for surf, surf, recover from surf. I think I went to one yoga class and realized how goddamn hard it was and was mm -hmm. like, enough of this. Uh, so mostly, yeah, I was just surfing. Surfing and writing. Lovely. So the, the difficulty of yoga was the heat or just yoga? <laughs> just yoga. <laughs> I went to this class, right? And here's the deal. Uh, it was in this beautiful setting, right? Like Nosara has a lot of yoga, like in an outdoor pagoda, there's like 40 people. And the woman walks up to the front and goes, thank you so much for coming. This will be a two hour class. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> the brochure didn't say anything about two hours of yoga. Uh, and at like this 47 minute mark, I think like my left butt cheek just cramped. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And everywhere I looked, people had no problems. It was like, oh, twist yourself in a pretzel and then touch your ear with your left toe. And I'm pretty flexible, you know, after years of athletics and martial arts. But, man, this was just not my forte. Yeah, if um, anybody wants to say that yoga's for pussies, they should just bloody try to do it. Um, I'm a bit infrequent of late. And, uh, yeah, I keep trying to do um, things like swan or, or even the other day, I think it's called a bow. Um, I've, got yeah. this, I've got this book from for my daughter that it's got a bunch of poses in it and Bo's one of them and I was like oh you just do this and I was just like in the middle of my back like ah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just do this it looks so easy just reach back and grab your foot and bring it forward yeah yeah yeah, yeah. not for pussies <laughs> mate um I if you've been on a friend of mine, Chris Tesman's podcast, he said a couple of times, um, "Uncomfortable was okay," which is a hell of a title for a podcast because there's yeah, sure. there, there's not enough of that around. And he he messaged me and said, "Mate, I've got the perfect book for you." And I'm like, "No, whatever, cool, great." And, and I get it, and and I've got it here beside me, and it shows up, and there's this gorilla on front, and man uncivilized. They didn't even tell me the title or, or anything. 
And I was like, oh, yeah. And then, and then started yeah. flicking through and, and it's easily digestible. I read it in a week. And I was like, holy fuck. That's quite good. Chris, you were right. Why write a book? <laughs> Thank you. Why write a book, man? Like, you, you, I guess it comes with the title, Man Uncivilized, but why bother? Yeah. <laughs> this book came out of me, right? Um, and this is how I write. The first, I wrote my first book, which is a book called Today I Rise, in about four weeks. And my buddy challenged me. This is what happens. My buddy challenged me. He said, write nine, uh, 65 individual letters to the you who woke up five years ago and realized your wife was leaving and your life was essentially going to be different from that point on. And, he, and up until that point, my, I was like, didn't have much to do. I just finished a year long project. I was like living in this gorgeous house in the Hamptons that I didn't have to pay rent at. I was just kind of fucking off. <clears throat> and he told me that and boom, I just wrote for five, six straight weeks, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. That was all I did. And so when this came around, the idea was the same. I had been writing a lot on social media, talking to men, building this idea of Man Uncivilized and the Uncivilized Movement. And I kept getting asked by guys, like, where else can we find this other than your social media? And I was like, nowhere. Uh, you know, in the back of my head, there's a book. And I had this vision, Ryan, of guys holding it, like literally holding it in their hands and saying, okay, if I'm not on the internet, I don't want, maybe I want to get this information, but I want to do it privately. Because this is, you know, for men, the idea that we need to be different as men is not something we publicize. But in our private time, where can I get them a resource? And the same question got posed. I had a friend say, uh, I bet you can't write it in six weeks. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, fuck, okay, now I got to do it. And so I literally locked myself in a house and I think I felt it coming and this is how I write. Like it's like, uh, and then boom, my whole life got taken over uh, by writing that book. Um, true story. At the end of it, I flew at the end of that like six week period, I flew to New York city to see a friend and I have no history of mental illness. I have pretty stable grounding. I spent a month in a dark room. Like I'm good generally in life. And I was walking down the street with him and I stopped him and said, I, I, I think I need to go to the hospital. He was like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? I was like, there's something wrong with my head. And he looked at me very seriously, like, what's, what's going on with you? I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm, my head is fucked right now. I can't think, I can't concentrate. I can't, I, like, I, I actually feel like I'm losing my mind. He goes, and he knew what I'd done. He knew about the writing. He's like, when was the last time you were in a gym? Mm. Oh, uh, like two months ago. He's like, when was the last time you talked to someone in person other than me or the flight attendant? And I was like, oh, like two months ago. He was come with me and he brought me to his building. We worked out hard for like 90 minutes, went upstairs, had dinner with him and his wife and kids. And I was like, I'm good. I don't need to go to the hospital. But just it was all that focus and all of this stuff just pouring out of me daily, you know. And, and um, so why write it? It's, I don't feel like I have a choice when it comes to books. This is just what happens to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll wake up some mornings and I know it's coming. So I'll like pace my apartment or wherever I am. And there's, there's like words in my head and I can't think straight. Then I'll sit down and just, and something will come out and I'll feel great. I'll go do some other shit. 
and come back and read it and have no memory of writing the words. Mm. And so that's, that was the same process. I've read this book eight times and been like, holy shit, I have no recollection of writing that. Uh, or remembering kind of being in a trance or being like, you know, in a, a different space when I write. So that's why. And it's necessary, right? Like, to me, this was necessary. Mm-hmm. We couldn't, it couldn't just be articles in the New York Times. It couldn't just be an Instagram page that you can just scroll past and then on to the next piece of information and on and on and on. I wanted something solid in order to create a shift in culture, which is what I'm after. There has to be a central piece, right? Like I jokingly said, this is the Bible of my movement. I'm not trying to create a religion, but every great movement, every great idea has some document or some thing that people can return to and go, yeah, right. It's in the ethos. That's why I wrote the ethos. Like if you stick to these 12 principles, this is it. It's like my 12 commandments do this and everything else follows forward. So I know that's a long winded answer, but uh, that's why I wrote the book. Might this be a podcast. Uh, you can talk for as long as you want. But <laughs> 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 yeah. like, like writing a book, I guess, sort of, sort of. There, you got to be succinct. Um, yeah, no, no, you got to be succinct. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, and and that's the beauty of your book. It is sensationally succinct. As I said, I managed to get get through it in a week, just sort of uh, reading in the evenings. And even in myself, I've noticed a gigantic shift. Uh, you know, subconsciously. Um, oh heck. Probably the last two months or so, I've, I've been struggling to get up to my alarm and snoozing bunch. Uh, that hasn't happened. And just then on top of that, uh, and the timings are, timings are both a wonderful and a, and a horrible thing. I'm speak, speaking of timing, I, I lost my, my grandfather yesterday, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's all right. It's all right. Um, uh, uh, the, the timing of, of coming across your book and coming across your social media and then coming across uh, your February challenge um, mm-hmm. to do 34 burpees a day, and we've had a little bit of back and forth. That that is a, a yeah. good a good number to to find a, a very dark place before you get. Or it doesn't have to be get started each day, but it's a good time to do it. Um, yeah. Why why do you you spoke about writing the book as well being a challenge? Why do you sort of believe in challenges and and sign up sign yourself up to challenges? <sighs> right, there's something about the male animal that with challenge, we thrive without challenge. Like we wilt. And mm-hmm. I feel that ex- exponentially in myself that if I'm not chewing on something, if I don't have a big project, uh, then I get lost. I get depressed. I get anxious. I don't understand why I'm here. I don't really, I just get this existential feeling of, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. And perhaps that stems from being single and not having kids. That at my age, most people focus on their children and their children are the project. But I also think it's very healthy for even for men who do have children and do have partners to also have something that's difficult, right? We need something to, I wrote in the book, like we're German shepherds, right? Like give us something to chew on and we're good. We got like, we need that. We actually need that, especially men. I remember reading this thing in college. It was uh, on this famous or a very well-known college water polo coach in California. And he said, uh, what uni? Uh, this was the university UC Irvine oh, I was gonna, in California. It might still be the same guy, but we've had a story about it. UC Berkeley water polo coach. 
So carry on. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that kind of, like, these guys understand guys. And he would say, like, if these guys, if I don't kick the shit out of them six days a week in practice, they're going to go get in trouble. This is what they do. He said, he got, I remember he got flack for it because it was in, um, shit, it was in a major, uh, major magazine at the time. And he said, the women's team doesn't have that problem. You don't need to do this with them. We can drill more. The guys, like, I need them crawling out of the pool and crawling back in the locker room. Otherwise, they'll get arrested. And, so, <laughs> and I think it's something that drives people to a sport like that as well. It's a very violent, aggressive sport. But for, for, for men, I think it taps back into this. It's in our DNA, man, that not that long ago, we didn't know where we were going to get food. We didn't know if something was going to kill us. We were still drive, trying to get across country to new lands. We were seeking adventure. We were trying to climb mountains. We were doing all of this stuff before social media came along and just showed us pictures of it mm. and said, oh, here's a picture of someone climbing a mountain. Now you feel 1% like you do it, but 99% a little bummed that you're not doing it. And you may get a thousand of those interactions a day. So I find that when men have a communal challenge, right? Like, so with the challenge, the burpee challenge, it's all the guys in the uncivilized nation. It's actually a bunch of other people on social media. It's even a bunch of women who have joined it. But the fact that we all know we're suffering together builds this, this silent camaraderie, or even not so silent, but this under-the-surface camaraderie. And I find that when I start the day with 34 burpees, or whatever it is, last month I challenged the guys to each make an extra 500 bucks outside of their, their normal uh, income. And it's just like, hey, here's something that you don't know how to do yet. Do it. Try it. Fail at it. Learn something. With the burpees, it's, hey, this is going to be the same. Or you're going to grind. You got to learn how to grind. There's going to be days when you're sick, days when you didn't sleep, days when you, have to, you just don't feel good, days when you're tired. It's, that, that's more about like, let's just do some hard shit. You know, so much of what I see societally in the West, let's just call it, unless there's calamity or unless there's tragedy or unless there's natural disaster, our lives are really cushy. Right. And so unless we actually go out and seek challenge, we self-destruct. Mm -hmm. right? I'm here in Costa Rica. Uh, if you saw what I, I posted a picture of a, or a video of a wave this morning. And I, I came here to find this one wave, which is terrifying. It's massive. It's huge. There's not a lot of people around. There's no services here. If I get hurt, I'm fucked. I have to walk a half an hour to get there. I don't really, I didn't know how to get there yesterday. I just wandered through fields. It was like, where, where the hell is this place? And all night thought about it and all morning have thought about it. And I, I just got goosebumps. I know what time I'm going because of the tide. Like I need that shit. Hmm. Otherwise I start drinking again. Otherwise I smoke dope. Otherwise I'm looking at porn. Otherwise I'm trying to fuck five women in a day. Otherwise I'm, I'm just not okay in the world. And I think there's a certain percentage of men usually high achievers, guys who are striving, who have that same drive, who have that same fire in their bellies. And if they don't, it's often because these are men. I'm sorry, if it's not that group of men, it's men who have had that fire extinguished, who have sat in a cubicle for so long, who think that you know, a shitty relationship is okay, 
who go, well, not me. I'm not in good shape. I'm over 30. It's, you know, my athletic career is done. When we, I watch when the spark gets lit in those guys, they fucking go on a tear. And their whole lives change. Like guys find – you've seen it. Like guys find triathlons. Guys find kite surfing. Guys find something. And they're like, oh. And, and what happens downstream? Their whole lives change. How they eat changes. They start doing yoga. They start stretching. They start watching videos and getting instruction and hiring coaches. And it's like – uh, they, they engage in life more fully. Yeah. Start meditating. Start doing the the little one percent as I, yeah. Exactly, mate. Um, geez, there's a lot there. Uh, in terms in terms of the challenge of it, oh, that's that's where I was going. I remember now. Stupid stupid video. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you're saying about say the likes of triathlon, or in my case, going hunting, uh, which is you know can be a weekend, can be a morning if you're super lucky, but You've written a post, and I'm pretty sure it's in the book as well, that, that freedom isn't free. And, and the image you've got on the internet is of the uh, Fairbanks bus from um, Into the Wild. Now, I read that book at the end of last year. It's, it's my girlfriend's, one of her favorites. And um, we've watched the film before. But, yeah, I read that book. And, yeah, that story is, uh, yeah, that's what you've got in the book, the, the, the pull in the bush like yeah. and hunting it definitely like i had four days in the bush the other week and coming back to civilization was super weird and super crazy um what what do you, like it probably just speaks to what you were saying before it's only about a hundred years ago or so that that was pretty common to to strive and, and adventure and persevere um, yeah. But for you, in, in, in your heart, what do you sort of feel about uh, adventure versus civilization <laughs> or uncivilization? <laughs> it's a conundrum, right, Ryan? Like, it's a conundrum. I, I also love the fact I have air conditioning here. Yeah. You know, and, and if someone said, hey, go to Costa Rica, sleep in a tent, uh, kill your own food, and... Like there's this, there's this medium and I've done stuff like that. I've gone for the full extreme of a month of survival school or whatever it is. Uh, so I think that it's not about leaving civilization fully. If, if that's what, you know, into the, into, into the wild was that crazy story of I'm out. I'm just, I'm completely checking out. And I understand why people do that. If they look at civilization, they look at the civil, I, I, like the patterns of insanity. Hmm. Wow, you've given five years of your life, actual five years of your life, working 18 hours a day in a building just so that you can drive a car that has a different hood ornament on it than mine. That is the actual definition of insanity, right? If we explain that to a child of like, hey, you're going to give up your 20s for that, right? But yet people do it. And I'm not saying that I'm against capitalism. I'm not saying that I'm against working hard to provide for your family or that you want to strive or that it's, I want a fucking G-Wagon. I've got a picture of a G-Wagon on my phone, but I'm going to go about getting it in a different way. And if someone said, here's how you get it. You go back to school, you get a law degree and you work for a law firm for the next eight years and they'll give you one. Here's what it's going to cost you, your health, your relationship, your, your sense of the world, going outside, nature, who you are as a person. I'm like, go fuck yourselves. It's not worth it. And so adventure versus civilization, right? 
We need this. We need the wild. We need it. We need the unknown. We need to be removed from society and civilization often so that we can actually look at it objectively. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we are the fish that doesn't know what water is. Right? It makes, I, and I, I remember, you know, God, this was in my early 20s, Ryan. I, I did this crazy, I was a bodyguard at the time. And I went on this six-month trip with a client. And he was all over the Caribbean. And, and granted, he was a billionaire, so we stayed in some fabulous places and lived on yachts. But the thing about it was, it was wild. It was pure freedom. He was a surfer and a diver, so I, everywhere he went, I went. And I made about 40 grand on that trip at the time was a ton of money, right? I was 25 years old and I had that in cash when I got back. It was like, here's $40,000. And I came back to LA and I remember thinking, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this money and I'm just going to travel the world for two years. I'm just going to adventure, seek, learn, like feel it, like, get into the meat of the world. And it was probably three weeks later in Los Angeles, I was looking at BMWs. <laughs> three weeks that's how long it took civilization to like reprogram me back to two years of adventure versus and i had a you know i had a great car and i didn't buy the bmw but i was looking at it and i remember that moment being like ah they've got me back right like i'm back in the matrix i'm back in the fold i remember a month i did a month in survival school in utah which was you know a knife a water bottle a blanket and a compass for 28 days, right? Insanity, like absolute, pure, uncivilized, as wild as can be. And I came out of that and I was living with this woman in New Mexico. And I remember us driving back, we went to the gym maybe three, four days after I got out of it. And we were driving back to her house. And I remember picking up my phone and saying, this is the magic moment. I'm not re-addicted to my phone yet. I'm still in this sweet spot where I have, I didn't, I left my phone in the car while we worked out and, and yada, yada. And it was maybe four days later that I pulled up to a stop sign and I remember checking it, checking mm -hmm. it every, and then it was like stop light, checking it. It was like, fuck, they got me again. I'm back in the matrix. Damn you, AT&T. <laughs> Damn you, Steve Jobs. <laughs> Damn you, Steve Jobs. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Right? No. Yet you and I are now conversing because of social media, and we're conversing on Zoom, and we're conversing in separate continents. So it's the duality is what I really want to speak to in men of saying it's the yes and. Like, yes, I imagine you've bought stuff at, at supermarkets before, but yet you're willing to go out for four days in the bush, rewild yourself, go into something that's as primal as primal gets, have a relationship with your own food, risk health, risk injury, and provide for your family in the most natural way that men know how. That's the duality, I think, that leads to health. That's the duality that leads to your heart being open and your soul thriving. Right? I, I imagine that, and I'm just going to make this up, that a lot of people who live that way aren't on antidepressants. They're not on anti-anxiety medicine. And they actually look at microwave food and go, this isn't fucking food, right? And the choices that you make aren't based off of like, oh, this is a $5,000 t-shirt because it has some other dude's name on the front, even though it's worth $8 and was made by a kid in China, right? You don't buy in that deeply to the things that fuck us up as humans and especially fuck us up as men. Mm. Right. Um, there's, there's plenty of that. Uh, 
I was talking with with a guy. Um, he he lives in Kentucky, but he's involved with a uh, fitness company called Sorenix, and they've just finished off. You know, you're talking about survival camp. They've just finished off their their winter strong process, and they were doing sort of uh, jumping in the freezing cold lake and and um, sort of archery challenge through the woods and and, and sort of lift run. Uh, shoot sort of competitions that sort of stuff lots of community-based things good, good fires and stuff and and we'd, he'd been on a, on a hunt and Ryan Mickler had been there and, and he basically said I don't want to be Ryan Mickler because the yeah. community um, you know he he, he has to well, he doesn't have to do anything but uh, it, it's this, this circumstance where he's posting every day and it's almost like the community needs that you said the book um, sort of creates an ethos for your community that you've created. Um, what? Why do you think you know like the likes of Ryan and, and I've had the guys on from uh, a couple of guys from Every Man on. Um, there's there's a guys in in uh, San Francisco called Unshakable Man who are sort of an out, out branch of that. Why do you think that right now and and you know we're 2020 now that there's this return to manhood and it's probably the pendulum swinging back in, in some sort of way but what are you you know what's the feedback to you you mean why now yeah why now yeah exactly that's a great yeah. question you know i, th- I think it, it's a combination of social events that um won the advent of social media so we got to see the best and the worst. We got to see someone like the Kardashians who are literally worthless human beings become uh, industry leaders of opinion, of social change. Like we saw the power of that. Breaking the I internet. <laughs> what's that? Yeah, bra- literally breaking the internet. We, we saw, okay, things are so backwards now that someone who provides no value to society can hold one of the highest positions in society. And this isn't government, this isn't, this is just social media. And I think internally, so many humans, men and women went, huh, the system's a little bit backwards now. Things are a little bit off, this doesn't make sense. Now if we speak directly to men, we also saw the pendulum swing to the super soft nice guy side. Right, the sensitive new age, like, hey, this is what we need from men. We saw this huge push after Me Too. So Me Too is also a massive contributing factor to this. And I'm really glad that Me Too happened, not against Me Too. Me Too shown the light on male behavior and called into question male behavior. And a number of men, especially in the US, went, huh, why do we do that? Why are we the ways that we are? And I think that also collided with so many of the very apparent health numbers, suicide numbers, depression numbers, where men were actually looking around and going, I know guys killing themselves. I know guys on antidepressants. My friends are involved here. It became personal. And it became so widespread that we looked at it and went, huh, with this confluence of events, I just got chills, man, um, with this confluence of events, what are we doing to contribute to it? Like the, the, the questions started popping into the conversation. Huh. And I think when the questions popped in the conversation, we as men also realized there was this collective pop of the consciousness that said, we've been sold a false bill of goods. So many of us have gotten divorced. So many of us have watched our fathers get divorced. So many of us have friends who are now living lives of hell. 
because of divorce, because of health issues, because of getting fired from jobs, realizing, wow, this doesn't work. Like I remember as a teenager, um, one of my good friend's dads quit his account. This guy would go, sorry, one of my best friend's dads would go into New York City every day for 20 years to work. So he would take the train an hour and a half. He would work in New York City. He'd take the train out an hour and a half. He'd see his kids for like 45 minutes at night, Monday through Friday. And then, you know, Saturday was this, Sunday was to prepare for the next week. And I remember my friend saying, yeah, my dad quit his job and he's going to be a carpenter now. And talking to him and a guy being like, I've never been happier. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I get to see my kids every day. Yeah. Do we make less money? Definitely. But you know what the I was like, the money was, was fueling this. It was like this horrible cycle of, I need the money to go to therapy. I need the car. It was like, wait a minute, the system's broken. <laughs> and so, so I think, you know, the long story to a short question, social media gave us the view of so many different ways of living. So we got to see Orion Mickler, right? We got to see people living in tiny houses. We got to see, follow people who were living in their trucks and living and just be like, but my life's an adventure. We got to see all of these things that were previously uh, un unavailable to us or seemed so distant and foreign. And then bam, wow, what if, what, what if I live that way? I, I now can live that way. I think too, the advent of the internet allowed a lot of us to work in ways that didn't involve putting a suit and tie on and going and sitting in an office. So all of those events kind of colliding together at the same time, I think really is the why now, right? I bet you my dad's generation, a lot of them were unhappy, but they didn't have a choice. It was like, you, you, this is what you do for work. You don't get to you know, make money from the beach in Costa Rica on a laptop, <laughs> right? There's no such thing as a social following. No one's buying your shit. Uh, if you publish a book, you go to one of the eight major publishers. If not, no one reads your book. Your book doesn't exist. So the opportunity met the, gr the growing awareness that how we're doing things isn't working. And we're mm -hmm. still, right, I think like we're still so far behind the curve, right? Like depression numbers, suicide. I look at suicide numbers all the time and they're, they're massive. They're absolutely massive. And that's indicative of a broken society or broken aspects of society. Yeah. Um, and we've had a few guys on here talk about it and just that sort of place where you've, you've lost your, your worth is at zero uh, is, is, is pretty incredible to, to hear. And, and yeah, it's it's a it's a simple but a difficult answer. Uh, simple answer but a difficult answer. It's like one of those things that like, um, it's it's yeah simple but not easy. And, and yeah. unfortunately, as you say, the numbers keep doing this, and you keep getting that thing that you know the straw that breaks the camel's back keeps happening. And yeah. and and I guess that's sort of speaks a little bit to what you're talking about um, being responsible to someone uh, having a job that provides security, you know, pays, pays for the car, pays for the house, pays for the, for the, uh, yeah. for the therapy or living that life with purpose and, and taking the risk and, and being on the adventure. Um, yeah. 
and and the, the societal talk like you know for me it took seven freaking years of uni and um think well, i don't know about thankfully uh but um you know i played rugby uh i enjoyed it uh that meant freedom's not free i didn't get the a plus but i got i got through and 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 now i you know again i'm i'm on the grind of earning a salary and 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 I guess that's probably what drives this podcast a little bit is finding an outlet to to be yeah. creative to to do stuff um and and same would come back to what you're talking about writing you know every now and again i'll I'll get that idea in, in my head and i've got one right now to to write a blog write an article and and a bit like yourself I sort of go into a trance and get it out and then I hand it off to my partner and say keep make sure this makes sense <laughs> did you did yeah. you have an editor or, or or somebody to you know whip it into shape because it's a beautiful yeah, shape yeah, yeah let me let me chat or speak to the idea too that there's nothing wrong with working for someone there's nothing yeah. wrong with the nine to five there's nothing wrong with providing for your family in a conventional manner there's nothing wrong with it at all if it feeds your soul mm. i know a lot of guys that love what they do and what they do is, quote, civilized, right? Like they work in offices. They show up every day. They lead it. They, they love it. And it's like beautiful. That feeds your soul. And I had the same thing. I ran my own business for a number of years, and it was the, the blogging to speak to it. Like I had to write a daily blog for a gym that I owned. And that started to wake me up more and feel, make me feel more alive and like interest me more so than teaching kettlebell swings did and teaching pull-ups, even though that's what I loved at the beginning. So to answer your question about writing, I wrote for six years every single day I had to write a blog. And so that got in my head. And then suddenly, uh, maybe a year or two in, the blog got picked up by a magazine and they contacted me and said, hey, we want you to write for us. And then I had my first editor. And the editor was this amazing woman who wouldn't just like get my article, edit it and publish it. She would ask me all these questions and make me go back and change it. Mm -hmm. Like, are you sure this is what you want to say? This doesn't really make sense here. What if you rewrote this in a different manner? Does this really need to be here? Stuff like that. So she taught me to slim it down. So if you look at the book, it's essentially like 62 blog posts. Mm. Right. And that's which, and it also I realized that is the way that so many people can consume information in these short bite sized chapters. But you know, one, one thing I'd love to bring up have you read the book Tribe or Tribes oh, yeah. by Sebastian Younger? I was thinking about that just right? uh, before when you were speaking. Yeah. <laughs> and how, for those of you that haven't read it, he, he's a war, Sebastian Younger is an amazing war correspondent. He wrote The Perfect Storm. But in this particular book, he goes back and looks at, depression rates, anxiety rates, happiness levels, et cetera, in and around major conflict and things like 9-11, uh, major um, natural calamities, et cetera. And how happier people are when they're engaging in real life because real life isn't, oh my God, let's see what's on TV or what politician is lying to us. It's let's band together and see who has food. Let's, let's rebuild the houses. Let's, let's like actual real life shit. And so when we speak to, you know, where is the call for adventure? What do you need to do? Or, or what about those guys who 
have four kids in private school and two mortgages and an ex-wife. Like, how do you do this? You have to engage in something that lights you the fuck up. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's 45 minutes of guitar when you get home. Or, or as you said, like writing that damn article or starting your own podcast. Right? I have a good friend who's a full-time cop who's got a podcast. He's like, the podcast keeps me sane. Hmm. He makes like $9 a month <laughs> off the podcast. And he's stoked because it's like, it's in the black, right? And for a lot of people, like this may be your sanity. It may be this creative outlet that you get. And that's okay too. So I hope guys hear this and go, yeah, what could I do? What's this little project? What's this thing I can tinker with? Right, like what's the car in the garage that turns yeah. into a five-year project, right? The 67 Mustang or whatever it is. That we as men go, okay, I have my obligations and now let me engage with freedom. The masculine craves freedom. We fucking love freedom. And yet too much freedom and we lose our minds. Not enough freedom and we feel like caged animals. So we have to dose this and prescribe it to ourselves and look at our own reactions. Like, do I feel healthy? Do I not feel healthy? Am I alive? Do, am I depressed? And I'm not talking about deep clinical stuff that people need to go get actual help for. But if you've been run down and bummed out for a month, ask yourself, what would light me up? What does light me up? And you and I know nature. Like, how disconnected are we as a society from nature? Get out in nature. And I have a teacher that's like, 20 days in the woods will solve most problems <laughs> if it doesn't kill you. Yeah. But like the idea of like 20 days in nature and pretty much like all the other shit you're worried about kind of goes away. Okay. What are your, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. I was like, carrying on, like what are your intimate relationships like? Are you having authentic, raw, honest, wild conversations with your partner, with your best friends? Are you guys just keeping it surface level? What about your health? What are you eating? Are you like actually procuring your own food? Are you engaged with your own food? Do you cook your own food? Do you know where it comes from? Have you gone to the farmer's market and shaken the dude's hand? And like, thanks for the carrots, John. <laughs> or are you just at like Whole Foods being like, I have no fucking idea. These came from Argentina. They were shipped like seven different countries and frozen and unfrozen, but whatever. I don't care what I put in my body. And like, what are you feeding your mind? You're just sitting there on YouTube watching stupid shit all day. Are you listening to podcasts? Are you reading books? Are you engaging with like, fuck. It's just like, I just sometimes just want to shake people and yeah. shake myself. So just don't think that, that there aren't days where I'm like, man, I've caught the depression. <laughs> and then be like, wait a minute. <laughs> Yesterday I had two Snickers. I stayed indoors and watched Netflix and I haven't talked to anybody. Hmm. Okay. Get outside, go eat some real food, go do 34 burpees, call a friend. Oh, that's right. Life's amazing. Fucking get on it. Yeah. That, that speaks to a, a bit of a Tim Ferriss thing, you know, and he's someone that nearly did bloody commit suicide and we never would have had all of these gyms, but, uh, gyms, sorry. But um, what does he say? Like, are you, are you hungry and have you done exercise? That's like your first two questions. <laughs> 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 right? Like we forget that we're still animals. We're still the human animal. These things, man, they are the, the single greatest blessing I know and the single greatest curse because mm. now we're connected to everybody, but not intimately. It's like, it's like we're junk fooding the human experience. 
there's no nutrition over WhatsApp. There's no nutrition sitting there texting each other, right? It's like eating McDonald's. Like, yeah, my stomach's full, but I actually have zero nutrients in me right now. And yet we can use some, and for those of you that are wondering what I'm talking about, I held up my cell phone. We can use this to connect with people and then go see them. We can use this to find surf breaks and then go there and surf the damn wave. We can do this to find communities of hunters, of triathletes, of people that are communal, of, of our tribe, of connecting with actual humans. Oh, yeah. Now, um, and, and the beautiful thing about your cell phone as well is it does have the tools to make it less appealing. So, um, yeah, mine is bright red. At the moment, it used to be grey, but the white was too white. And then my mate was like, hey, change it to colour filters and swing it all the way to the red. And uh, the, you know, the grey was good, but red where you can't even see those weird and wonderful colours that have got filters applied is a powerful little tool. And um, yeah. like you're saying about WhatsApp, getting a notification, oof, off, off goes your sympathetic nervous system. And as an optometrist, I'm super lucky to get the insight into um, the amount of people whose sympathetic nervous system is absolutely jacked up. Um, mm. So we do this most simple test, and you see it in most movies, if someone gets hit in the head or anything, they shine, shine a light in their eye. And so two, two things you check is you check that the two are still working, that the wiring's still connected. Um, and then the other thing, and people think it's counterintuitive because I'm there now, they're there to come and see, and I'm shining bright lights in their eye, making them not be able to see. But you hold the light on someone's eye, and you you see it in their body language anyway. They're pretty pretty jacked up and nervous. But you hold it there, the pupil constricts, and then bang, back open it goes. Whereas it should stay closed for like ten seconds or so. And it's just in this in the society, and I hope you're still there, Trevor. You back? Gone? No. I'll just ramble. <laughs> In the society, we're we're so jacked up, and 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 I see that every day, and I just get that that pleasure of, of well, not pleasure. It's it's quite quite hard work, but yeah, I get that situation where I get to see what this world's doing to us, and and it's the same with health. You know? I was going on a big rant about um, the sympathetic nervous system and and how I see yeah it. the eyes yeah 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 yeah. When you were saying that, like people um, that they pop, you said something like they pop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they, that's what happens. You, you shine the light in, and the pupils pop straight back, and they should they should stay open for for ten seconds. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's so. Uh, what I was saying is, I'm sort of, I have it in my face every day what the world's doing to us. You know, I, I have to ask everybody. You know, what medications are you on? And they look at me weird. Sort of like, why do you want to know that? And it's like, well, the eyes are part of your body. They're just, they manifest all that shit. It comes up, you know, and and that's that's the most obvious one. Like you're saying, you know, dinner plate pupils of someone that's scared and frightened. Oh, they're out there. They're out there everywhere. Um, We we, we often joke that maybe the person's attracted to us, but uh, it's... (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Eyes, yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think so. There's a lot of guys. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah. And, and it, the the medication thing and the the sort of the health thing in in your face, um, it sort of almost makes you feel uncomfortable. Makes you look at your own future. I guess it 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 kind of 
you know, I, I know my, my family history and what's, you know, out to get me and it's not much, but right. seeing that in front of your face every day, the lifestyle conditions, the, 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 you know, 20 year desk belly and that sort of stuff. It's just kind of like shit. You know, it's, it's good. It's in your face here. I don't want to do that. What do I have to do today to move forward? You know, do you feel the same, you know, coming from a gym environment, we, we start trying to help people. Um, does that sort of drive you forward as well? You look around and kind of go, shit, I don't want that. Yeah, for, for sure. I look at, you know, the reason I named the whole thing uncivilized was I felt like civilization was uh, like a machine mm-hmm. and that you got put in one end and spat out the other end. And how you got spat out the other end was sick, broke, uninspired, and then dead. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like if I didn't want to get spat out of anything that way, then I had to remove myself from the machine. I had to do what everyone else wasn't doing and be careful of the trap of the collective of, but everybody eats this way, but everybody, I don't drink. I stopped drinking five years ago, but everybody drinks. Well, but why does everybody do all these things that they're doing? What's the default setting that we're falling back into that we're not examining, right? I have no issues at all with alcohol. I don't care if people drink. I chose not to because I looked at it and went, why am I drinking? Why do I drink? What's the benefit of this? Is this helping my life? Or is, and what's the cost of this? And, and again, I don't want people to hear this about alcohol and freak out and then turn their brains off. But alcohol is one of the few drugs that we have to explain to people why we don't do. Like I've never walked into a party and had everyone be like, hey, do you want some heroin? And they'd be like, no, I don't really do heroin. And they go, oh, I don't really trust the guy who doesn't do heroin. But I've walked into parties and had them be like, no, thanks, I don't drink. And have someone go like, I don't trust a man who doesn't drink. Well, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Come here, tell me why. And so again, if we take alcohol out of the equation, but we look at why don't you do the things that we all do? That's a more interesting question because I throw it back to people and go, why do you do the things that everybody else does? Have you stopped for a minute and examined it? Have you added consciousness to the equation and gone, wow, I don't know why. I've just been following this track, right? I got out of high school, I went to college. I got out of college, I went to grad school. I got out of grad school, I got married. I got married, I wanted to have a kid. All these things. And I'm like, wait a minute. How much of that was my own decision or how much of that was just me kind of on the societal conveyor belt that leads to the place of broke, sick, uninspired, and dead? Mm -hmm. And the the sick, since you asked, I'm sorry, let me say, on the flip side of that, right, is the, yeah, walk through an airport. I used to joke people, go to Vegas. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, that's what the collective American looks like. You know, it may be different in New Zealand, but the average American is 60 to 80 pounds overweight on four plus medications, right? It's, it's shocking. And we go, well, wait a minute, but how often, how far are you walking every day? When was the last time you cooked your own meal? How do you sleep at night? How do you start your day? How engaged are you with other people? This isn't, it's not fucking rocket science. Right? I'm not asking them to do nuclear physics. I'm like, do you walk? Do you eat? Do you meditate? Do you write for five minutes a day? Like, start there. And so does it scare me? 
I mean, I think I've looked enough at the picture and removed myself far enough from it. But, right, it doesn't mean that the pull isn't there. Mm. Right? It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't mean that that ever goes away. The comfortable life, the easy life, the, you know what, I'll just eat McDonald's all day and, and check out. Right? So it's, it's this real engagement with how do you want to live? What do you want the outcome to be a year from now? Like if you look in the mirror, if I take a snapshot of everybody's life, like an actual snapshot, go, this is the collection of decisions that you make daily for the most part. Right? If you got hit by a car yesterday, then that's a different, there's an acute situation. But over the long term, you are the, your life is the accumulation of decisions, habits, and patterns that you make daily. So if you want to change one of them, you want to change that snapshot, change the habits and patterns. And again, I'm not picking on alcohol, but when I quit drinking, so much of my life changed. Who I hang out with, what I do on weekends, what I do when I walk into a social event, what I do when I'm alone. And so I wanted a radically different outcome, so I, ch I chose to do something radically different, which was give up alcohol. Same thing when people go to grad school or go to college. You want that outcome, which is the degree, which is four years of knowledge. Every day you go to class. You, on, on weekends, you're studying, you're locked in the library, you're reading books, you're blah, blah, blah. You're putting a ton of action and energy into an outcome. So for guys listening to this, if you want a different outcome, you got to put the massive amounts of energy, time, and focus into the habits and patterns that will create that outcome. So yeah, man, I, I, I think it drives me insane. I don't, I don't understand. Like I, I get it, but I don't understand how we as a species can say, wow, we're so off track that this is how we're living. Mm. And this is okay. It's okay with everybody. We collectively got together and we're like, this is fine. It's okay. Oh, you're on six medications to get through the day and you're 38 years old and there's really nothing acutely wrong with you. Fuck, fuck mm. that. Mm -hmm. No way. And you could, you could literally get off all of them with a two mile walk and a plant-based diet. That's it. That's, that's the only requirements. That's it. Change how you eat and go for a walk every day. Holy shit. What, what, why are we, then, then it calls in, I don't want to go conspiracy theory on you, but what are the forces that are engaging and keeping you that way and who is benefiting from it? Right? A good friend of mine's an attorney, and I remember when I first opened the gym, he goes, any problem you see, follow the money. Follow the money. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Okay, who's making money off people being sick? Who's making money off people not feeling inspired? What are we selling people every day so that they feel good for 15 minutes so that they forget that they feel like shit for the other eight hours of the day? Mm -hmm. Right. That to me, that's the, that's the paradigm. It's the civilized paradigm. It's the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, <clears throat> you were saying, you know, you don't know about what it's like here. And I was, I was shaking my head. I immediately thought of Bill Burr's special when he, when he, you know, he's in the recording that in London and he goes, you know, you guys are pretty fucking fat too. He's that, that, uh, that show shows definitely uncivilized. Mode and um, you you were saying about the the things that we're not doing or, or whatever you know is for example you know I'm not drinking or I'm just gonna ha I'm not gonna drink this or or whatever 
it, it's also a little bit the same of like um, fasting or, hey, you know, what's your morning routine? Uh, I get up after five snoozes of my alarm and grab a coffee yeah. and run out of the door, shout at my kids, you know, say goodbye. Right. And uh, then I get home late, have a beer, watch the TV, eat the food, go to bed. You know, right. it's like, I, know, I get home and play with my child and, you know, do, do some juggling or handstands. You know, what are you doing all that for? And it's just like those, those little little paradigm shifts along the way, like you say, they keep you out of this um, out of this system, I guess. Would, do, you, do you think that that's another sort of little tool that can, can be attained from this? 100%. It's, it's such a loaded word but it's consciousness. Are you mm. conscious of what you're doing and not doing? To me, the person that gets up at, <clears throat> after the fifth time the alarm goes off, has a cup of coffee out the door as they yell at their kids, goes to work, comes home, cracks a beer, sits on the couch, zones out until it's time to get, go to sleep and do it all over again, is unconscious. They're asleep to the power that they have to make change in their lives. Hear that again, they're asleep to the actual power. It's like, oh, I can't change that. Yes, you can. You just have to make small daily decisions to, to live differently. Right? I had this, this client, it was a crazy story, Ryan. They were, when they hired me, they were, uh, it was a couple, they were $25,000 in debt. And I asked the woman, like, well, what, what did you, she said, I'm sorry, she came on a call and was like, oh, I'm super tired. I was up to like two o'clock in the morning watching uh, YouTube on the TV last night in bed. And I went, how many TVs do you guys have in your house? So we have five. Holy we have shit. one in the bedroom, one in the living room. And then each of the three kids has a TV in their room. It's 25K. <laughs> and I went, okay. All right. First of all, I'm going to take a deep breath and calm myself the fuck down before I unload on you. <clears throat> Here's what you're going to do. One, you're going to sell every goddamn television in the house. You're going to take the money and you're going to pay it off on the debt. Two, you're going to go get a library card. And at night, you're going to read books on personal finance, on marketing, on like, like what are you doing? How unconscious are you? to? And, and you know, when she hired me, she's like, we're stuck. We've tried everything. Like, no, you, you haven't. You're, look, you're staring the basics in the face. If you have a TV in your bedroom, you're unconscious. Mm. Right. So even mm. when you said like, well, what if I made a small change? I would, I would challenge everybody listening to this. Unplug your TV for a week and just see what happens. Just see what happens. Watch what happens to your nervous system. Watch what happens to your body when you come home and go, oh, maybe I'll crack a book. Maybe I'll read a magazine. Maybe I'll make a phone call. Maybe I'll go talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And then what happens on day two, day three, day four, day five, we're like, oh my God, I spend four hours a day on, the, on, on watching shit, eating junk food information to my brain, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't have to be like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro. I'm going to kill my own food. I'm going to deadlift 500 pounds. It's unplug your TV. Go buy some vegetables. Yeah. Sit and meditate. Try to meditate for five minutes a day. Five fucking minutes. You have to watch your brain explode on minute three. I'm like, man, as a human, I can't sit alone in a room with my own thoughts for 300 seconds. 
That to me is a profound canary in the coal mine. Something ain't right. Shit. Now, how do I reorganize my daily life so that I am okay sitting for an hour in meditation? Mm. I've sat for 12 hours in meditation, sat in a month in a pitch black room. It's you're, you're far more capable of things than you think you are, but it's like, it's death by a thousand cuts, Ryan. Mm. That's how I view the civilized world. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's a little bit of shitty food, a little bit of shitty conversation, a little bit of shitty habit that leads to this being the new normal, right? Think of how many people you know, just to go back to health, are on pain medication for stuff that is diet related. Like, oh, my knees ache. I'm like, well, what's your diet like? Well, you know, you realize that you don't have to take Advil every day. If you just ate a little bit better and you'd be less inflamed, and then your knee pain would go away. It's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had that. Had that Advil yeah. isn't a supplement. No, I had that the other day. Like, um, uh, type 2 diabetic, she, she'd been doing keto, lost like uh, 10 kgs or so. Um, and she was like, oh, my knees don't hurt anymore. I'm like, yeah, no shit. And, and you know, um, Gary, Gary Ficke, who we've had on this podcast, you know, for two years wasn't allowed to talk about nutrition. Now, I don't know um, who, who I'd trust, but um, an orthopedic surgeon who's cutting people's limbs off, I'd, I'd be pretty trusting of him, but the amount of people that he then didn't have to cut their limbs off or, or do their knee surgery for one because they'd lost 20 kgs by cutting out the crap and, and, yeah. and doing that. And, and again, you were <laughs> sort of saying follow the money and even when it comes to the sort of plant-based movement, there's, there's doing a prop. <laughs> that's loaded. But I guess doing it properly or there's uh, buying your, your fake slop that's got a slap, slapped a plant-based on it. Like... Come right, on, right, right. like, like there's, there's, there's ways of doing stuff, and there's, like you say, going on the civilized train, like, oh, I'm saving the planet. Well, that fucking thing came from uh, an industry and, and got driven all across the world with ingredients that came from all across the world. Or, as, like you say, go to the farmer's market and say, thanks, John, for the carrots exactly. <laughs> from, from down the road. Like, yeah, and can create a relationship with John. So we actually go back to. I think when you, know, you brought it up a, a little while ago, this return almost to natural living. Mm. And it, I think it just is the way because the pendulum swung so far. Mm-hmm. You have people who are actually interested in harvesting their own food, interested in growing their own food, interested in moving from a 5,000 square foot house into an 800 square foot house. And going, yeah, I don't need to show my friends I live in a huge house and then have two jobs to pay for the mortgage for it. It just doesn't make sense. These patterns of insanity are what we're actually waking up to. And I think the challenge, you know, if we speak about men, so often we feel like we're victims of something that we don't know. Like, God, there's just so many of us killing ourselves. It must be this magical force that's out there depressing us and hurting us. No, our actual daily patterns and habits are what are creating it. Oh, I'm, uh, the whole country's overweight. It must be this magical thing in the water. It's a standard American diet. Standard American diet. Prescribed to us. <laughs> literally prescribed to us. So do we go default on that or do we actually look at examples of people who are thriving? And, and even especially, I'll say people who are thriving and aren't trying to sell us something specific. Mm. Just go, wow, you live really well. Tell me what you do. Okay, you, you live really healthy. Tell me how you live. 
you seem to have a really good grasp on life. What is it that you're doing that I can do? Mm. There's so much shit that's free. Like meditation is free. Burpees are free. Journaling is free. Like, holy, you just need a little bit of time. And I get it. People have kids. You got a half hour. You got to ha- go to bed a half an hour early, kill the, take the TV out of your room, unplug the internet at 9 p.m. One of the things I loved, I lived in an ashram for a while. And both this and another place that I went to, they would cut the internet during meals. And they wouldn't turn it on until 9 a.m. And then they'd turn it off at 8 p.m. Nice. And, what did it, and like, for the first day, I hated it. I was like, you fuckers, you have no idea how important I am and how what I need to do on social media. And on day two, I was like, wow, look at all these humans to talk to. Like actual flesh and blood people instead of the people who I'm writing novels to on my phone with my thumbs. And yeah. holy shit, we're, we're talking <clears throat> over meals. Wow, that's, that's doable. Yeah, it's, it's quite, quite funny. Uh, you're talking about, you know, tiny houses and, and like I have a friend who's trying to buy a house at the moment and, and he goes, the amount of real estate agents that look at me funny when I say, I don't want a low maintenance property. I want a garden and trees and stuff. And I was like, yeah, man, I've, I've tried to grow some bloody food here. Our soil's dry and, and deprived. Um, and, I was like, and I'm having a constant battle with this, this um, sort of weed called Oxalis. And then on, on Sunday, I was ripping out this, this creeper as well. And, and yeah, it's just like, you know, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and on the, on the, on the TV thing, as someone who hasn't owned a TV for sort of four and a half years, like we still get pulled into the, the laptop, you know, YouTube or, or Netflix or wh- whatever. But um, it's not until you go back to a TV household and the advertising, and even with YouTube, you know, you go, oh, what the hell? Bloody ads, bloody ads come on. You know, yeah. Um, then you just go, well, the brain, and even the radio oh, is, is like the brainwashing is is coming at you hot and fast. Uh, um, I don't know if you're a fan of or know of Elliot Holes, but that's what it, one of the things he says. What are you brainwashing yourself with? And um, exactly. yeah, the TV TV's a big one. Yeah, I think we're at a place now, Ryan, where we have the opportunity to design the information that we take in. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's going to be marketing that infiltrates us. If you watch a YouTube video, uh, uh, something may pop up. But like we get to choose who we follow on social media. We get to choose who we unfollow on social media. Mm-hmm. We get to choose whether we watch television or not. Do I have a Netflix account? Absolutely. Are there shows that I love to watch on Netflix? Absolutely. Are there movies that I love to watch? Absolutely. But I've curated it to a point where it's now specific. And it's conscious as opposed to coming home and just throwing Netflix on. So I have something talking to me in the background or just going, well, I don't know what to do right now. So I'll just watch Netflix. It's okay to have it. But again, we've, we've let the tools take over as opposed to using them. One of my first bosses was this brilliant guy named Gavin DeBecker. He wrote the book, The Gift of Fear. And he used to describe your mind, like when he taught you, teaching me about meditation, it's like your mind's like a chainsaw. It's amazing to have a chainsaw when you need to cut down trees. But when you don't need to cut down trees, it really sucks to have a fucking chainsaw running in the background of your life. I take that analogy and now put it on top of just about everything, Mm. right? Like social media is a chainsaw. 
beautiful. Television's a chainsaw. All of these things are tools that I can use. But if they start running the shop, then, then, then I'm fucked. I'm out of control. It's, it's back to me to go, okay, wait a minute. And, and we even see this. We have social media detoxes. Right? I know people that leave social media for a month. And I work on social media, so I get it. It's like a big part of my business is being there and being accountable and talking to people. But yet, so I know that specifically I have to know that I'm engaging in something that's potentially unhealthy. Just like a guy who, a bartender, hmm. was like, yeah, I kind of got a drink because, you know, client, uh, what are they, I'm not going back to acupuncture patients, um, patrons will buy me drinks. Like, okay, cool. Then you know you need to take a week off every couple months and get out of the bar. Or you need to just drink water tell people like, no, I'm doing a fast or I'm on antibiotics or something so that you don't get this just perpetual cycle of like, oh shit, it's been four years since I haven't stopped and taken a breath. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That to me is plugging into the matrix. That's plugging into the collective unconscious. The collective insanity is just to wake up five years from now and go, I have no idea. I have no idea what happened. Mm -hmm. I wasn't here for any of it. Absolutely. Was a mate. So speaking of those thirty-four burpees, they call them my name. Yeah. Um, where do people find you? As you, as you're just saying about you, you work on social media. Where do people find you? Yeah. How do they get their hands on the book? And you've also got a podcast yourself. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's fledgling. Uh, I was doing it just live, as in like with a live audience. Mm -hmm. So I would just invite like forty people onto a Zoom call and then interview someone. Uh, but it it is uncivilized. Uh, the uncivilized podcast. You can find me at Traver Bohm. That's T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M on Instagram. And then the book, if you go to manuncivilized.com forward slash the book. And I have a bunch of articles on Man Uncivilized. I have workshops. I'm doing a year-long tour. I'm going to be in Australia in October. So I'd love for people to come find me anywhere in the world that I'm speaking. I'm going to be in Europe. Uh, and I, my goal for the year is to touch and actual shake hands with and have conversations with as many men as I possibly can and women per se, because they're also influencing men, but people, right? Like I leave Costa Rica in a week and I go do the, the West coast of California and then go to Salt Lake city and then go to New York. And I'm, I'm out and about this year, really trying to speak to people, Ryan, to say, Hey, there's a different way. And if all you do is pick the book up, like you said, and read it in a week, something will shift. I wake up every morning to emails from guys going, I've never heard it this way. I heard it a hundred times before, but I never heard it this way. Thank you for that. Or I've just tried this one thing and it's shifting. It's like just the, plant the seed of momentum. Mm -hmm. That's what the book is. It's this tiny seed of momentum and then fucking run with it. If you want to know something nuts, I have guys all over the world starting book clubs around it. Like, hey, me and my five friends get together. We read a chapter and we talk about it because guys need to be talking. I'm like, yes, guys need to be talking. Guys, we're, we're the ones that need to come in and go, all right, we're killing ourselves eight out of 10. Let's put a stop to that. We're dying 10 years sooner than women are. Let's, let's put a fucking stop to that. Let's take all of this energy and intelligence and, and action and put it towards saving our own damn lives on the planet. Awesome. So everybody can just find your links in the show notes. It's the easiest spot. Mate, um, what I usually get people to leave us with is, if it's as simple as a quote, leave us with a quote, but uh, usually sort of a way that you think about your life and, and something that hasn't, ever done you wrong 
or something that keeps sort of showing up in your life, you know, what, what's the thought that you'd, you'd leave us with around that? <laughs> it's a little arrogant, but every once in a while, it's okay to stop and realize that everybody else is wrong and you're right. <laughs> Especially if you're living outside the box. It's awesome. Right? Especially if you're living outside the box and people that you love and people that see you go, wow, that's actually crazy, this thing you're doing. You shouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Are you sure you want to go shoot your own food? Are you sure you want to go do 34 burpees a day? Are you sure you want to start your own business? I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. I've had a, a host of people in my life say, what you're doing isn't a good idea. And I go, thank you. You're welcome to be wrong. I'm welcome to be right. <laughs> I love it. Mate, so I'm a little bit concerned that um, we're, I'm going to be watched now after this conversation. It, it, you know, that we, had to glue, we had to get a little glitch. We've talked about the Matrix a lot. But, um, yeah, no, it, this is awesome. Thank you so much, Trevor. Thank you for um, me, Ryan. And, yeah, anyone that's, uh, you know, we have quite a few people listening in Aussie, if, if you're around. Um, do you know what cities you're going to in Aussie? Uh, not yet. I'm putting it together. It'll be the month of October. I'll be there. Awesome. Yeah. If, if you're near Trevor, hit along and shake his hand and, and uh, Please. yeah, tell him I sent you. Awesome. Thank you All so right. much, mate. Thanks, Ryan. Cheers, guys. Awesome way to finish. Uh, as Trevor was saying that, I was immediately taken to the Mark Twain quote, which I think I've put in my journal a couple of times and shared that on my journaling little highlights of course you can only upload a hundred so I don't know if it'll be there at the moment but it's Mark Twain again this was highlighted to me by by Tim Ferriss wealth and wealth of knowledge if you don't already follow Tim as well but whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority it is time to pause and reflect you know that's I guess what Trevor was getting at if you're, if you're on the side of majority, people are going to just say, keep going. If you're out there pushing the boundaries, people are going to react to that. Um, as I was saying with uh, Mr. Rowland, in the last episode about Wild Wild Country, uh, I got to the end of that, speaking of Netflix, and I think that was a little bit of the case with the Osho. Had they not been so different then there would have been wouldn't have been so much resistance and middle of nowhere Oregon probably wasn't the best spot to show up and start uh espousing free love and nudity but you know each to their own but had they not been so different and had there not been so much resistance I think there wouldn't have been a problem um and I sort of agree with the lawyer in that show um that the world missed out on something now of course you can still find the little uh retreats and stuff which sort of follow the osho methods but um yeah it's, it's quite interesting when things are so different and it was highlighted in that in that series on netflix wild wild country that when things are so different people become scared and they don't know why and that's basically what people literally say on that i just don't like them i don't know what they're doing it's very interesting. Uh, so if you're going to be a little bit uncivilized, be prepared for people sort of being somewhat scared or skeptical or or discerning of what you're doing. Uh, but as Travis said, just say thank you and say, you know, 
I'm, a, I'm allowed to be right and you're allowed to be wrong in your head probably is the best place to say that. Or don't, you know. Tell them that you'll agree to disagree or thank them for their opinion. <laughs> anyway, I bring you the podcast with the help of Waikito, W-A-I-K-E-T-0.P-A-U-V-I-T-N-O-W.com at Waikito, W-A-I-K-E-T-0. It's about with a zero. Um, and that's to get your hands on exogenous ketones. Tested it out yesterday with uh, with a client, and it does work in New Zealand. Just make sure that you select your country of origin. It's up on the top right-hand corner. Well, it's just contact me, and I can help you through it. And, yeah, you can get your exogenous ketones delivered to New Zealand, but, of course, the original markets of East Asia, Canada, U.S., and Australia. You lucky buggers have had it for ages. Um, you can get in there to yeah, just select your country, and it'll get delivered to your door. Exogenous ketones with the keto nat, um, naturally fermented ketone salts um, that put you into ketosis in under half an hour. There's also the keto protein, broth, creamer, teas, MCT oils, Signal OS to maximize the CMED DNA repair, the 10 day challenge, or else the 60 hour fast. I talked about fasting in that um, podcast. Doing a 60 hour fast is reasonably difficult. More difficult if you're not already following a sort of low-carb ketogenic lifestyle. Uh, with the 60-hour reboot, that's made even better because you've got the help of exogenous ketones to get you into that ketosis quicker, get your mind running super-duper, being super-duper productive, um, and you've got the teas and the broth, which are low-calorie and um, have a little bit of ketones in them to just Pass the time. Passing is one of those real mental games and, and sort of makes you assess why you do things. And you, at the end of it, you have this remarkable relationship with food, the patterning around food, the, all the things that are associated with food, even doing dishes. Like seriously, you'll, you'll look at dishes in a different way after doing a 60-hour fast. But yeah, the assistant Keto Reboot is also available on that website, W-A-I-K-E-T-0.P-A-U-V-I-T-N-O-W.com. Um, and of course, that's in the show notes. Contact us if you enjoyed it, if you've got any thoughts, if uh, yeah, you just love a chat, hit me up. And if you've got this far, I'll just ask you one more time, please leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. Um, I know about 60% of you listen on iTunes, Legends. Um, and yeah, thanks again for another crack episode. Catch you next time.